Good evening, church. Another Wednesday night. We're going to try to finish up what we started last week. There will be a lot of reviews, so just stick with me and be patient. And we will finish tonight about uh, what goes around comes around, or uh, karma, whatever you want to call it. I don't believe in karma. I think God has set certain laws in place. And, and one of those is found in uh, Galatians chapter 6. I believe it's uh, verses 6 and 7 where it says, Do not be deceived, my brethren. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. If he sows to the flesh, he will of the flesh reap corruption. If he sows of the Spirit, he will of the Spirit reap life everlasting. We come to a story about one of the Jewish patriarchs, uh, Jacob. His name means trickster. It means uh, heel snatcher, supplanter. And he lived up to his name. Uh, he was... Uh, constantly conniving and scheming. He lived by his wits. He was strong. Uh, we, we know that he, he tricked his brother uh, Esau out of his birthright, first of all, by with a, uh, a pot of lentil stew, red lentil stew. And uh, then uh, uh, we know that he, he tricked his father by giving him the blessing that was due the oldest son. So he stole uh, from Esau his his birthright and his blessing by tricking everybody we pick up our story in verse or chapter 29 of genesis and remember that jacob is fleeing from esau because esau had murder in his heart waiting for his dad to get sick and die and then he was going to take care of jacob and uh, when he comes uh, uh, as he as he's fleeing he comes to a place and he goes to sleep and it says in verse 10 of chapter 28, Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went to Haran. And so he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. He took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth and its top reached to the heaven. And there were angels of God ascending and descending uh, on it. And behold, the Lord stood above, and he said, I am the Lord, God of Abraham, of your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will uh, give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad uh, to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in you and your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I've done what I have spoken to you. What a promise of God. Then it says that Jacob awoke from sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose early in the morning. He took the stone that he put in his head, set it on a, as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel, house of bread, house of God. And the name of the city had formerly been Luz. And Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I'm going, and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give you a tenth. That's the introduction to our story. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word. 
Would you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, make your word come alive? Holy Spirit, teach us, lead us into truth. Help us to apply your word and grow from it. We thank you for protecting us and our church family and our extended family. Lord, we ask you to continue to protect Christians here and abroad and around the world. And Father, that you protect our missionaries that are on the front line sharing Jesus in countries where it's not legal to do that. And for our Christian brothers and sisters that are persecuted simply because they're Christians, would you be with them in a special way? Father, uh, would you fight and frustrate those among our leaders in our nation that would lead us further away from you? Father, defeat the, the, the power of the enemy in our midst. Defeat this pandemic. You gain, gain glory. Holy Spirit, you come. Father, uh, Spirit, pour out a blessing, Lord. Uh, the blessing of your Spirit pouring out among your people. Bring renewal and revival to our land, to our churches, to the world. And in all things, you be glorified. And let the name of Jesus be lifted up because he promised if he was lifted up, he would draw men and boys, uh, uh, girls and men, everyone unto himself. And we pray this will be done in Christ's name. Amen. Basically, what we said last time was, if you read the, this story of Jacob from chapter 28 to uh, the end of chapter 31, what we really get out of it is what goes around comes around. I think a more accurate term would be this. We reap what we sow in life. We reap what we sow in life. And the reason I started verse 28 was because that is his Bethel experience. You see, he's going to leave Bethel, but he's not really ready for service. And I know that because here he is, and think about it, God has revealed himself in a special way to Jacob. He has said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and I will be your God. Wherever you go, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bring you back. All this land will be yours. Your, your, your progeny, your children and grandchildren will be as a sand of the sea. And in your seed, your children, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, just as he promised to Abraham and to Isaac. Now, you would think with such a momentous thing, he, he wakes up and says, surely I didn't know it. But God is in this place. And that should have just totally changed his life. But we still see the deceiver depending upon himself. We still think of him as trying, or I do, of trying to think of with his wits. If God, you will do these things you said. If you'll bring me back in peace. If you'll bless me. If you do things, then you'll be my God. And this pillar will be the pillar for your house. A lot of ifs. So he has his Bethel experience. But he's not ready for service. So when we're not really ready for service, but God has revealed himself for us, something isn't quite right. And it's not with God, it's always with us. And we need to remember that. So what is Jacob going to have to experience uh, when he's not ready for service? See, can you think of your Bethel experience? Maybe it was a church camp. Sitting around a fire where God revealed himself to you. Maybe it was as an adult and God revealed himself and you were saved. Um, maybe it was a Sunday school class or a revival or in your, in your home. But it was a special place where God revealed himself to you in a special way. That's your Bethel place. And that should be a place where God reveals himself, you commit to him, 
wholeheartedly, without reservation, and it changes your life. All of us have those places. But you see, Jacob experienced God, but he was still holding back part of himself. God, if you do this and this for me, then you'll be my God. Putting God to the test, but God is always faithful. But because he is leaving Bethel and he leaves it behind him, which is going to be our second point. He's not ready for service, so he has to experience some discipline. Uh, ultimately, the deceiver becomes a deceived as he meets, meets Laban. And later in this story, uh, it, it says that uh, he falls in love with Rachel as he sees her coming. She's pretty and he really likes, likes her. But what gets me is he doesn't just see her. He sees all of her father's sheep. Always a conniver. Always a businessman. He works for him a little while and and uh, he, he says, you know, what, what, what shall I give you? Okay, and he says, well, I'll become your servant for seven years if you give me Rachel for my wife. And he says, well, I'd rather give her to you to some, than to some stranger, so that'll be agreeable. So he worked seven years. It just seemed a little while to him. The day came, the seven years are complete, is what the scripture says. In verse 21, Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife, for the days are fulfilled that I go into her. Laban gathered together all the men of the place, made a feast, came to pass the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to Jacob. He went into her. Laban gave his maid Zilpah to his daughter Leah's maid. Came to pass in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, What is this you've done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? And then Laban brings up a little bit of, a, uh, of their tradition that he knew, but he didn't share with Jacob. It's not our way to do that. The elder always has to marry before the younger. I'll tell you what, you complete your week of, of matrimony, your week of, of your honeymoon, however you want to describe it. And, and when you're done, you can serve me another seven years for the other one. So he does. So he had to experience the discipline to learn what it was like to be the deceived rather than the deceiver. And I think he had to learn to become a worshiper. See, a one-time Bethel experience for us is never enough. We're to worship our God on a daily basis in the privacy of our homes. We're to gather together corporately, however we can do it, whether it's online, which we, I don't know if that's really church or not. I'm still struggling with that. But, but we do worship, you know, together outside right now, and hopefully before too long we'll be moving inside. And, and we worship together to do things that God teaches. But one-time experience is not enough. And he leaves not ready to service because he's not taking worship with him. And God prepares our hearts for what he knows is in our future. He's got a lot of difficult things to learn to empty himself. When we approach God and reveals what he wants from us, it requires an emptying of ourselves so He can fill us so that we'll obey Him and accomplish His will. Jacob was full of himself, leaves saying, oh, if you'll do this, this, and this, it's still about Him, me, me, me. It's not about God. When we worship, when we meet, we need to understand it's not about us. It's not about our wants and needs, and God will feel, fulfill those because He's gracious and loving, but it's about what He wants. It's about his name being glorified. It's about Him being lifted up in midst. It's about Him being made known to lost communities, lost neighbors, lost friends, lost relatives, lost co-workers, lost people in our area. And so when we leave Bethel, we need to make sure we're ready 
to serve. An old-timey preacher said it, and it's gotten to be just sort of a, a quaint little saying, you know, we come here to worship and we depart to serve. But that's true. The second point I mentioned last time was what happens when we leave Bethel behind us if we're not worshiping on a day-by-day -day basis. And we don't see Jacob worshiping and praying. Matter of fact, we don't see him mentioning this experience until he's ready to leave Laban after all these years of trickery and disagreement. What happens is we become vulnerable to temptation, to hasty, prayerless decisions. We become vulnerable to temptation and hasty, prayerless decisions. See, as I said, there's no... There's no evidence that Jacob prayed after this Bethel experience until he comes back and then he begins to pray, God, help me, I'm afraid of Esau. If he had been praying, maybe he wouldn't have trusted Laban. If he had been praying, maybe something would have been different. But there's no evidence that he prayed. There's no evidence that he shared. And he becomes Laban's servant. I'll be your servant for seven years. Give me her to be my wife. That violated his understanding of what God's will was. God said, I'm going to make you a mighty nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to do all these things. He gave it all up. You see? Gave God's passion and his understanding of God's will for his life because he didn't pray. He didn't take his Bethel experience with him. You see, he was vulnerable to the temptation. He was thinking how he could knive his way into the family and get part of those sheep and have some of that wealth and etc., etc. But we exchange blessings for consequences. The second, we're not just vulnerable, vulnerable to temptation. We exchange blessings for consequences. He's deceived. Laban did it. It must have ran the family because he did it a bunch to his brother. Now Laban does it to his nephew. And he becomes a harvest of difficult days. Difficult days. He lost sleep. He worked for his father-in-law who changed his wages ten times. He did all these things it was difficult days. Proverbs 13, 15 says it this way. Good understanding gains favor but the way of the unfaithful is hard. He wasn't faithful to his brother. He wasn't faithful to what God had told him was his will for his life and his life became a hard harvest of difficult days. Again, Galatians 6, 7 whatever man sows, that shall he also reap. Think about what he reaped. Think about the tension in married life. He married the older sister and didn't really love her. And he married the younger sister and really loved her. Two wives, one loved, one tolerated. That's not a good family dynamic. Okay. It drains Jacob as you look through the years where he says, my eyes were restless. I had no peace. <laughs> yeah, he had no peace. Had two wives. Wasn't God's will for him to have two wives? I don't believe, but he did it because he was deceived, because he wasn't worshiping God. He wasn't praying. He wasn't asking for guidance. He was still depending upon himself. Do we depend on ourselves? Are we just so enamored with our wisdom, with our strength, that we can do it by, on our own and not mess things up? But see, this tension shows up in the names of Leah's sons. Think about it now. It reflects her heartbreak that Jacob didn't love her as much as her sister. It says Reuben. It means God has seen my misery. The second son going to her, Simeon. The Lord hears. What scholars think that means? The Lord hears that I am not loved. Levi. 
My husband shall be attached to me because I've borne him three sons. Finally, Judah. I would praise the Lord. No conditions. In other words, God has blessed me. I'm going to praise him whether Jacob loves me like he should or not. And these names show a progression in her relationship with the Lord and also her, her relationship with Jacob. In the midst of all this, this hurting our relationship with God and our relationship with others, we see Laban's plots. Laban's plots to trick Jacob, they worked, but it didn't ever mean that he and his son-in-law could have had the experience that God wanted them to experience, a good relationship. Laban ended up realizing that he is being blessed because God is blessing Jacob, and when Finally, the 14 years of service for two wives are up. He names his wages and he starts getting the spotted and speckled of the brown sheep and the spotted and speckled goats and God continues to bless him and their relationship just fractures more and more until hardly a civil word can be gone. Because of Laban's plots, Jacob has resentment. I think his resentment hindered him from worshiping the God he met at Bethel. You see... Even Jesus talked about that in Matthew chapter 5. It says these words. He says, If you bring your gift to the altar, Matthew 5, begin verse 23, and there you remember your brother has something against you, whether you've done it or he's done it. Doesn't matter, it doesn't give you an excuse. He said, Leave your gift there before the altar. Go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer you your gift. He goes on to say, agree with your adversary before you go to court or else the judge may find against you and throw you into jail. You see, God expects us to have a right relationship with Him and a right relationship with fellow men, fellow church members, fellow uh, Christians. No excuses. He expects it to be right. If it's not right, the relationship with God is hindered. It wasn't right between Jacob and Laban. And I think that was one of the reasons he didn't, didn't worship. Matthew, or Romans 12, 18 uh, has some more words for us. And it says this. Repay no one, Matthew, I mean, Romans 12, verse 17. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depend on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. As is written, vengeance is mine, and I will replace as the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, so doing you'll heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. That's how we're to live. When we leave our Bethel experiences behind, it affects our relationship with God and with other people. How does that apply to our lives? That special Bethel place, that special experience you had with God was when you saved or maybe he called you to special service or maybe he revealed himself in a new way or maybe you had an ultimate rededication or, or maybe it finally dawned on you that he's not just your savior, that he's to be the boss of your life also. Whatever it was where you felt uh, the spirit of God moving, you felt the warmth in your heart, you felt the joy of your salvation, whatever it was, that is not to be a one-time experience. That is something that we're to experience on a day-by-day -day basis in our private prayer closets, worshiping our God. 
If not, it shows up in our relationships. Do we understand that? Again, the book of Galatians, chapter 6. Do not be deceived, my brethren. God is not mocked. For whatever man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh, will the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit, will of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those of the household of faith. You can go on down through here. He ultimately decides to leave Laban. He tells his, his wives that. And they agree that they are his. And that their father has stolen Lily from them and from his children. And, and he sneaks off. Okay? And he crosses the river and he heads. And Laban takes his men, his little army, and he pursues them and overtakes them. And says, why have you stolen my household gods? And Rachel had done that and sets upon them and is under her saddle. And she says, I can't get up, my Lord. It's the time of women with me. And so they search everything. And then Jacob says, where's my fault? Do it. And they finally end up making a covenant on a heap there. You don't come past this to harm me. I won't come past it to harm you. And may the Lord watch over us while we are apart. And he goes back to meet his brother Esau. He's so afraid that he divides the company into threes and sends the herds and the flocks and presents to his brother. He separates the children into the servants' children and sends them over and then Leah and hers and finally Rachel and, and hers. And then he's there left alone with God. And he said he was left alone. In chapter 32, it says, Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till the break of the day. He saw he did not prevail against him, touched the socket of the hip. From this point on, his name is going to be Isaac. Or Israel, I'm sorry. Israel. The prince among nations. From this time on, he's going to limp because he resisted God, wrestled with God until his strength was not enough to prevail. Many of you today are still wrestling with God. You haven't accepted Him as Lord and Savior. You haven't surrendered your lives totally to Him. You need to come either to be saved, you need to come to rededication or to join the church or to surrender some special service. So what are the life lessons we learn? Number one, for all of us, no one violates the will of God for their lives and escapes the consequences. No one violates the will of God for their lives and escapes the consequences. Number two, we need to take responsibility for our sins and the pain we have caused others. Jacob was tricked and experienced all that pain for the pain he caused others and he didn't take responsibility for that. Number three is the good news. God is patient and gracious even when we've messed up. God is patient and gracious even when we've messed up. Number four, God is wise enough. God is wise enough, powerful enough, and present enough in our lives to fulfill all of His promises. Every single thing He told to Jacob at Bethel happened just as He said. That's our God. The last one's the most important. 
We need to trust God enough to turn our lives over to Him to accomplish His will so we'll be blessed and happy. We need to turn our lives and trust God enough to turn lives over to Him so He can bless us and we can be happy so He can accomplish His will through us. He has that plan for all of us in His kingdom. And we should be aware of that. We need to ask ourselves, are we sowing the things we should into the lives of our children and our grandchildren, into the, uh, those around us, that, you know, blessing them? Some of our saints of God need to bless the younger congregants of our church with your wisdom, with your love, with your compassion, with your peace, that you've been through the fires and God is still faithful. We need to know that. They need to know that. We need to teach that. Some need to commit to being prayer warriors for all the problems that our church is facing, our members are facing, our nation is facing, our world is facing. I don't know, but God does. Take a lesson. What comes around goes around. That's God's promise. We shouldn't gleefully think, oh, they're going to get it. We should say, Lord, forgive me lead me to share you. Father, we thank you for the day. Again, you be glorified in our midst. Protect us, watch over us. Thank you for our church body. In Christ's name, amen. Have a good evening. I'll see you next time.